You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. That's right, we're the Fantasy Joes. I am at Real Librarian, Ryan Livergood. He is at Fantasy Joe underscore Will. And tonight, we have a very special guest. He's one of our favorites. He's been on the show multiple times. It's Paul Pertichese of the Saturday to Sunday podcast. Paul is at Polly23NY. I'm sure you're all following him. Paul, how are you this evening? I'm doing good, guys. Always a pleasure to join you. I feel like it's became an annual thing around draft season. Always fun to talk some prospects with you and the fantasy spin and just overall evaluating these guys. Yeah, we're, we're excited about this. And Paul, we have not really um, looked too much into this rookie class. So we know a little. So you're going to really educate us and our listeners a lot this evening. And I, I think I want to focus on the wide receivers if, if we can. Uh, but the quarterback um, quarterbacks at the top of the draft are really intriguing. There are some running backs that we could be excited about and one tight end prospect in particular that is getting a lot of hype. So do you, do you want to kind of start by giving like your overview of, of the strengths of this class? Is, is, is it pretty much wide receiver, you know, where it's at and, and quarterback for super flex leagues, or is there, is there more to it than that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a pretty strong class. I think the wide receiver class is excellent. I mean, and we have had an influx of young talent at the wide receiver position. And I think you can make the case that on paper, this might be the best. And I don't know if it's going to play out like that because I mean, the last two years of classes have been absolutely tremendous with how well they've performed earlier in their and early in their NFL careers. But on paper, this class is loaded at the wide receiver position. I think you're talking another 15 guys probably going in the top three rounds of the NFL draft and a bunch more who could be in, can, you know, in the conversation to go in the top 100, but probably some of them will fall unless like 20 go. And that's unrealistic. I think, you know, so you're going to see a lot of good wide receivers in the first couple rounds spread into the round four. I think at the running back, I think it's a little top heavy. I think you got two clear cut, round one talents. We'll see if they go round one or if they fall to round two. Then I think you got another guy who's kind of in his own tier who is close enough to those top two guys, but but also a, a little bit ahead, the, the two below for me. So I think you got about four or five guys who belong in the first three rounds at the running back mix. So I don't think it's going to be as strong a running back class where last year you had like five go in the first two rounds. I don't think you'll see that. I think you'll probably see three and then maybe you'll see two more in the third round tight end you you alluded to it before i mean obviously kyle pitts is the guy he's going to be arguably maybe the best tight end prospect coming out pass catching tight end prospect we've ever seen he's definitely the best one i've ever evaluated since doing saturday to sunday and i don't think it's particularly close uh pat fryermuth is another guy who is strong so i think you have a couple intriguing guys at the tight end position that could really be impactful players. And then the quarterbacks. I mean, I think this is a strong quarterback class. And I think, I think they really fit the narrative that one's at the top in terms of the fantasy landscape, because three of the four, I think could be impactful with their legs as well with their arm. And I think that gets ex- people excited in, in terms of the fantasy landscape. It gets, it gets the people going. Yeah, I am pumped about the QBs in this class. I mean, the, the top four. Maybe, maybe not so much when we get to Mac Jones territory, but um, 
So let's start there, Paul. I, I mean, th- this is, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I feel like, you know, we're hearing a lot about the quarterbacks, but I want to spend a little bit of time on quarterbacks. And of course, we'll start at the top with Trevor Lawrence. And, and my question is this, is he the no-brainer 101 in, in Superflex tricky drafts or not? Is there an argument to be made for these other guys? Because um, I, I think there, there are some people that have Justin Fields ahead of Lawrence. Um, he, he's exciting. You know, Zach Wilson, we're hearing, you know, he, he's got a little bit of Patrick Mahomes in him with, with the, the, the throws he, he makes at these ridiculous arm angles. Um, and then Trey Lance, the high riser in Debbie drafts in Superlex leagues, you know, last year this time. And we didn't really see much from him, but he's really intriguing. You know, this, this, this mythical quarterback from North Dakota State that is going to come in and take the league by storm maybe. So what do you think of, of, of Trevor Lawrence as your Superflex 101? Yeah, I think he is. He he's the best quarterback in this class. I think there's he's almost in his own tier. And I love Justin Fields. And I, you know, a lot, but I do think that Trevor Lawrence just comes in more advanced in terms of his passing acumen, in terms of playing from the pocket. You know, he's got to, he's got to improve some areas himself in terms of handling pressure and, and, you know, dealing with some adversity that he just didn't deal with a lot at Clemson, but you combine his athleticism, his running ability, his mobility, his ability to play off structure, uh, throw on the move, combined with his arm talent, his size, his frame, his accuracy, his touch, anticipation, all of that, to me, he's just a more complete guy. If in in three to five years, if he's not the best fantasy guy, I I wouldn't be stunned because I do think some of these other guys are really high-level prospects in their own right. And in terms of fantasy, two of these guys may run more than than Trevor Lawrence at the NFL level. But I I do think people maybe underestimate for whatever reason, Trevor Lawrence's rushing ability. And I don't think he's going to run on a level of Josh Allen, but he's an athletic guy like Josh Allen or like Justin Herbert or like Andrew Luck when he was in the league that Andrew Luck had like sneaky athleticism, sneaky rushing ability. Every year he added, you know, somewhere between like three to 450 yards, you know, four to six touchdowns. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to do that. And when you consider the fact that, He's probably ticketed for Jacksonville and Urban Meyer's offense. Urban Meyer is going to incorporate some of his RPO concepts that, you know, were so successful in the collegiate game because Trevor Lawrence has the athletic ability to do that. I don't think he's going to want his franchise quarterback to get hit a lot and, and really put him in the open field much. But I think he's going to pick and choose spots for him, especially near the goal line, you know, to, to punch the ball into the end zone. So I think he's going to add a lot with his legs and, and some rushing touchdowns combined to his passing ability. I think in Superflex or two quarterback leagues, he's got to be the hands down, you know, 1.01 guy, you know, in terms of that total package, the pedigree, the athleticism, the upside that he can bring. But I think Justin Fields should be, you know, nipping at his heels a little bit in terms of right there in consideration to be 1.02. He'd be my 1.02 if I'm if I'm picking from now before the NFL draft and landing spots, because I do think his athleticism and upside is higher than Zach Wilson's. When I watch these collegiate guys, big moments always stand out. And he didn't he does he didn't have as many as the guy I'm about to say, but what always stood out to me about Deshaun Watson was just how well he performed in those two national championship games against Alabama. And what we saw Justin Fields do this year against Clemson and against Trevor Lawrence, who we were just talking about, that tells me the moment is not too big for this kid. He's going to rise up. I think he's going to rise up in the NFL 
does he got development to do for sure? Does he got to show the ability to work through progressions better? He just wasn't asked to do it at Ohio state, but I think the way the NFL is played now, we saw Jalen hurts come in and have some success this year, especially for fantasy, but even helping the Eagles move the football and be a, a more dangerous team down the stretch of the season. I think Justin Fields is more advanced leaps and bounds than Jalen hurts. I think he's a better thrower of the football than Lamar Jackson was coming out. And I don't think it's particularly close in terms of natural arm talent and accuracy. So I think he is very talented, very skilled and upside through the roof. He just comes with a few more questions than Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I'll I'll be very interested in Trevor Lawrence's rookie season to see how much rushing we get out of him, because that's going to be, at least with Clemson and what I saw is he never, it wasn't rushed first. They did have like designed runs called for him and, you know, RPOs that, that he was reading, but even when he was, you know, kind of running around before he took off, he was often still looking downfield for that throw. So I don't, I think I don't have a good like take on it one way or the other, but I could see him having his best rushing season as his rookie season as he's learning the NFL. And that would just springboard his dynasty uh, fantasy football value. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and you're right. These young players at times are more willing to run early in their career when they're still learning how to diagnose, read coverages, and they they see an opening. They're not as quick to mentally process things to find their third or fourth read at times because it's not asked to do it often in college, especially, you know, at, at a place like Ohio State or Clemson where those guys just have so many skilled players. So I do think they're more inclined to run in their, in their rookie years. So it could be one of those instances where we actually see, like you mentioned, Trevor Lawrence might run for more yards and touchdowns in his first year or two. And you might see that number start to then slowly go down a little bit as they're like, okay, we don't want him, you know, taking as many shots, you know, as his, as his career, you know, continues uh, to develop down the line. So I think that's a good point. And just to quickly mention the other two guys, listen, Zach Wilson is a really intriguing and you, you know, prospect, you hear those comparisons made out there. I think they're a little over the top with Patrick Mahomes. I like Zach Wilson a lot. I did a deep dive and we did a full deep dive, basically our episode on Zach Wilson at Saturday, Sunday. And I came away. I was less enthused about him in the, when I watched his first five or six games of the year, I thought he was intriguing, but I thought there was too much hoopla around him. When I watched the second half of the season, he showed me more NFL problem solving. I saw better arm talent. I saw more tight window throws. I saw more things that I said, okay, that's something that's going to translate to the next level. His ability to throw from multiple platforms is really intriguing. And I think you need it in today's NFL. So the fact that he has that, you know, the sidearm, the over the top, you know, the underhand, you know, scoop things that, you know, we've seen Mahomes do. He can do all that. He can make plays off structure and throw on the run. He's got the arm talent. It's not Josh Allen arm talent or Patrick Mahomes, but it's, it's, it's good to very good. I think in terms of his arm talent to make every throw, he's got some areas. I mean, he didn't play the top. He didn't play the greatest level of defenses. I think his athleticism is above average. I don't think he's a guy who's going to, pick up a lot of yards with his legs at the next level. I think he can move around and make plays in the pocket and rolling out of the pocket. And I think he'll pick and choose his spots, but like, I don't even think he's going to be a runner on a, on a level of like Daniel Jones. So like, he's not at the level of those other guys in terms of rushing ability. I comped him to Tony Romo because Tony Romo came, you know, into the NFL 
didn't play against top level competition. Obviously had to work his way up, you know, as a reserve on the Cowboys, but Romo threw from multiple arm angles, multiple platforms, you know, had good arm talent, not elite level arm talent was really accurate. You know, when I watch him, you know, I do think though he's got to work on some things. He sometimes leads his receivers into trouble. And I do want to see him go through progressions more and be willing to, to come off his first or second read, which at times is not going to be open in the NFL. So there's a lot to like about Zach Wilson. Personally, if I was an NFL team, I would take Justin Fields over him. But I understand the intrigue if you want someone a little bit more nuanced in terms of pure passing ability, because he is a little bit ahead of Justin Fields in that. But I don't think he's a slam dunk a guy as some. I think he's right there. He warrants top 10 consideration. Me personally, I would take Justin Fields ahead of him. I think in terms of fantasy football, to me, there's a little bit of a gap between them because I just don't think, I don't think Zach Wilson's going to do much with his legs compared to what Justin Fields is going to do. And then Trey Lance, Ryan, you mentioned it before. He's the big wild card. And I really like Trey Lance. When I watched him in the summer, I was blown away with just how impressed I was with him. So I think in fantasy, I think you can make the case if they're all top 10 picks, Lance should go ahead of Zach Wilson too in terms of fantasy because I think his running capability, he really needs some development time. So if he does get thrown into the mix, I think you could see him run a lot early in his NFL career, but he's got the arm talent. He's got the athleticism. You can make the case he might be the most athletic of the of the trio, you know, of him, you know, Fields and Lawrence. His arm talent, you know, is I think is just as good as any of those guys. So he's got the complete package. It's just very raw. This year really hurt him. I think if he played this year, I have a feeling he would have been QB2 in a lot of people's eyes, especially NFL evaluators, mm-hmm. if he played this year. Because I think he I think he might have really catapulted himself this year. So, you know, him not playing this year, you know, due to everything in the craziness of COVID, I think might have hurt him a little bit. But it sure sounds like he's probably not getting at a top eight or top ten. You hear Carolina is very interested, other teams. So it probably didn't hurt his draft stock too much. But four quarterbacks it's rare that four guys i'm much more excited about this group before than other years past when we had baker mayfield josh rosen i like that class because you know you guys know i was big fan of josh allen and it's great to see that finally come to, <laughs> to fruition in terms of people finally giving him credit i'm sure some people are ready to turn if he has a bad game or two next year but as a whole for fantasy I think this group is leaps and bounds better than the Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, you know, foursome because those guys besides Josh Allen didn't really offer much with their legs at all. And in today's NFL, you need that. And in fantasy, you want your quarterback to offer that. So I think, I think, I think this class is far superior from any we've had recently in terms of the the quality in terms of the upside and in terms of the fantasy upside. Yeah. And the, the quick fantasy production that they can produce with those attributes that you're talking about and how good they are at them. One thing you, uh, you kind of mentioned off the bat was, was discussing landing spot. Are there, are there big pitfalls you see on, on certain teams? Like, like for me, I am going to have a really hard time buying, you know, they, a lot of mocks have Zach Wilson going number two to the Jets. That's that's a dream scenario in my eyes because I'd like to see him move up a rookie board and let me scoop up Justin Fields after him in a rookie draft. But are there like like for me that's one pitfall. Do you have any other teams that you see they're kind of hoping maybe don't don't grab one of these guys? 
I don't think anybody stands out. Teams that are in dire need for quarterbacks, I don't think anyone is like, oh, that's a really bad spot. And like even the Jets, like, you know, if Justin Fields went to the Jets, I wouldn't be opposed to taking Justin Fields high. I think the Jets are going to try. I, I think their new front office is a lot stronger than what it was. I think their new coaches is going to bring a lot of energy and passion to that team. So even there, I think they're going to get playmakers, whether they take a quarterback, whether they you know, hold firm with Sam Darnold and trade down, whatever they do, I think they're going to get some playmakers. You know, you hear them being basically involved in a lot of the free agents in terms of some rumblings that are out there, Juju Smith, you know, all, all the top free agent wide receivers that Jets seem to be attached to in some capacity. I don't think there's anywhere that would really make deter me in that top eight. I mean, I'm intrigued a lot with Carolina because I really respect uh, Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator there. I think he's very intriguing. I, you know, they have McCaffrey coming out of the backfield, you know, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, they're probably going to lose Curtis Samuel, but I like the playmakers that Carolina has. I almost think it's more, I'm more intrigued with some landing spots than I'm really down on some other spots, you know? So yeah, I think there's definitely some spots that intrigue me a little bit more. I'd be a little nervous, you know, like I don't think Detroit's going to do it. You know, I think they're going to give Goff a year there and, and kind of yeah. reassess the situation. But like a rookie going there really wouldn't excite me because he might sit a year. You know, we got to see them turn it around in Detroit. They might lose Kenny Galladay. So that would probably be my least favorite spot for, for a rookie quarterback. But there could be a bunch of spots that these guys are waiting a year. I mean, if Atlanta takes one, I don't think that rookie is stepping foot on the field unless there's an injury or maybe like week 15, 16, 17, if they're at a playoff contention. I think it would be a long-term play there. Kind of like when the Chiefs got Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith played that whole year until week 17. If the Falcons were to draft, you know, Justin Fields or Trey Lance, I don't think we see them. So if you're not even going to see a guy, a spot like that could hinder just a little bit where they might go in a super flex rookie draft because, you know, a lot of people lose patience and, and don't want to wait a whole year to see their, to see yeah. their, you know, top five rookie pick, uh, you know, just, you know, ride the pine. So I, I think it's a couple things. I don't, I don't hate the landing spots, but I think it could, it could deter some people from how high you're willing to grab one. And like, like thinking about patience too. And Ryan, and I talked about this briefly last week that uh, there was an article out there again, it's, it's clickbait, but I, at this point in the season, I I'm like, the prime customer for clickbait on these types of things. But it was uh, that, that Jordan Love would fit in with the top five QBs in this group. If Jordan Love gets moved, are you enthused? Yeah, I mean, I like Jordan Love last year. I was intrigued by his skill set. But to me, he would be a clear fifth guy in this class. And there would be there would be he, there would be a little bit of a gap obviously a huge gap from Trevor Lawrence, but even just to whoever you want to say is the third and fourth guy, you know, for me, it, that's, you know, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, there would be a tear break for me before Jordan Love. Now Jordan Love's upside and athleticism would far intrigue me more than Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, but it would be on a, it would be somewhere in between there. It wouldn't be as intriguing as, as the first four guys, but it would be far superior intriguing in terms of ahead of, you know, Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, because I do think there's some intrigue with what Jordan Love offers. He, I think you can make the case that some of the things that people loved about Jordan Love last year, Zach Love, uh, Zach, Zach, Love, Zach Wilson does because Jordan Love through multiple platforms, through on the run, had a big arm. You know, some of those things are the same things that we are kind of excited about 
with Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson is just a little bit more polished. So I, I do think he would be intriguing if they were to make a move, but I, I would say that it wouldn't excite me as much as the top four rookies, but it would excite me more than anybody else in this class. Yeah, we should probably move on. Um, I, I do want to mention though, because you, you mentioned Jamie Newman during your senior bowl uh, recap, and you got me a little bit excited about a guy, Paul, that I think you, you could probably draft pretty late in your Superflex drafts. I mean, where does Newman go? Is it, you think he's going to go like second round, third round, maybe? And he, he's a guy that could develop into like maybe like a maybe he's uh, I, I not that I think he's the same as, as like Jalen Hurts' game or anything necessarily, but but like Jalen Hurts was one of those guys he went in the second round and then he all of a sudden is, is valuable for your Superflex leagues, you know? So what, what you want to talk about him before we move on to wide receivers? Yeah, I mean, listen, if Newman played this year, I think he'd be in consideration to go round one or early round two. I think he would be, I think he would be vying for QB five in this class with Mac Jones. I really do. I liked his Wake Forest film. Now there were things that he just wasn't asked to do in Wake Forest and he didn't play, you know, a lot of top level defenses, but you watch his Wake Forest film. I, I, I ask anyone to go put on his Wake Forest film and then go find some Cam Newton Auburn film. I'm not talking about what, how good Cam Newton turned down to the pros, but if you watch Cam Newton Auburn and you watch Jamie Newman Wake Forest, there is a lot of similarities in terms of what they do well and where they struggle. He's big bodied, athletic. He's going to be a red zone runner and going to be a nightmare in the red zone, like a Cam Newton, like a Josh Allen. Right off the bat, that intrigues me for fantasy football. He's got a big arm. He can push the ball vertically down the field with pretty good accuracy. He needed more repetition. He needed to speed up the mental processing, handle pressure. And that's why I was so excited to see him at Georgia this year, because I wanted to see him against those SEC defenses. And if he, playing with better talent around him, was able to rise up and handle those obstacles and those problems that he was going to see against the Alabamas of the world and the Auburns of the world. And he performed well. I think you would have, been, I think there was a possibility that you could be talking about five guys that really were intriguing in terms of this quarterback class, in terms of real life and in terms of fantasy. So for me, I think he probably goes round three of the NFL draft. If a team likes him, not impossible. He falls to round four at this point, but I'd much, if I, if I was an NFL, you know, if my NFL team needed a quarterback, I'd much rather take my chance with Jamie Newman in round three than I would with Mac Jones in round one, just because I'd rather get the guy who can play off structure, who has the athleticism, the pocket movement to do things, to develop, the other components of, of being a quarterback at the next level than the guy who doesn't have the athleticism and the mobility that I'm looking for in the position in Mac Jones. So I understand Mac Jones deserves to go higher, but I don't think the gap between those guys in terms of their talent should be round one and round three. I think they're a little bit closer together. Yeah. I, I, yeah. My biggest fear, Paul, is that the bears at 20 Mac Jones will slip down to them and the, and the bears will draft him. I, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Not that, that Nagy wants a statue as, as a quarterback, but I just, I just have this really bad fear that that's going to happen. And listen, I, don't I, think think Mac- Mac, 
I think Mac Jones could be solid. Like, like if you're looking for a guy who can be solid, like I think he could be a functional starter. I've said on Saturday, Sunday that coming out of college, he reminds me of Mason Rudolph. And I know that comparison doesn't sound good, but once upon a time, Mason Rudolph was a solid, really, really good collegiate quarterback, putting up really gaudy stats with James Washington in that Oklahoma state offense. And he warranted going on day two, some people thought he was going to develop into, into Ben Roethlisberger's, you know, future heir apparent. It didn't work out, but he deserved to go on day two. I think that's where Mac Jones belongs. I think he could develop into an Andy Dalton type caliber starter who was a good, was an average to above average NFL starter for a long time. I just don't think his play style though fits what today's NFL is in terms of being able to solve problems in multiple ways. And that's what concerns me. Yeah. Maybe he's Andy Dalton. Maybe he's even hits a higher ceiling than that. And it could be Kirk cousins, but I think everything has to break right to be Kirk cousins. And I think it's more Andy Dalton esque. and I'm not willing in today's NFL to make that investment in the first round of an NFL draft. And in super flex leagues, I'm going to let, no matter how high he goes, I'm going to let somebody else have that pick and I'm going to pivot to a different position if there's no other quarterbacks I like. Yeah, we're not we're not too far removed though from Andy Dalton being a hot commodity in in Superflex leagues. At least he wasn't just a, you know, an add-in. No, uh, no, he was because because in the Superflex league every quarterback is going to have value. And I do think he can be a good I think he can be an average NFL quarterback. I guess I'd like to shoot for higher than that. And I'd like to have that running component. I think when you don't have any running component in today's NFL, you got to be a really top level passer, I think to survive. And I just don't think that's Mac Jones. I think when he gets to the NFL and it's not going to look like, you know, I I said this a lot now on Saturday, Sunday, and I, I, Forget who said it, so I'd love to give them credit. I don't know if it was Dame Brugler or Lance Erline. They do their great podcast, uh, Prospect of Pros. NFL Open, College Open. It's so dramatically different. And we saw to a struggle with that this year. And my concern is we might see Mac Jones struggle with the same thing because Tua was very hesitant this year because I think he was looking for college open. And in college, he had Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith, you know, Jerry Judy, you know, you know, all those guys, you know, Henry Ruggs, guys were wide open. And in the NFL, he looked very hesitant to pull the trigger. And I have a little fear that that could be Mac Jones as well because he's just not used to having to fit the ball into tight windows. Yeah, and that's the right. I know you said you want to move on. The the last quickly is 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 Kyle has Kyle Trask just kind of left us empty handed. At one point in time, he was a potential Heisman front runner, and had you know he had, the start of his collegiate season this year was was pretty pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning of the year, it looked like he might be on the trajectory of Joe Burrow. I didn't think he was as talented as Joe Burrow. Even when, even before last year, I liked Joe Burrow before his amazing season. I had him as like a, a late round three, early round four grade, and then he exploded, you know, to become the first pick overall. I didn't see that coming. When I watched Kyle Trask, I thought he was a late round three, early round four guy. I think he's moved his way comfortably into day two. But I think, again, what we were just saying with Mac Jones, he's going to play from the pocket and he needs everything to break right. He's not going to do much off structure. So I don't think, though, to to round this out, I don't think there's a big gap between Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. I think the NFL is going to think there's a bigger gap. And I think it's going to see we're going to see that in terms of 
you know, their draft position. I think one's going to go round one and I think one's going to go round three. So the NFL sees a bigger gap than I do. And some people, you know, in the draft Twitter community also, I think, see a bigger gap. I think they're, I think, I think Kyle Trask is closer to Mac Jones than Mac Jones is to the top four guys, in my opinion. So let's move on to wide receivers because there's so many to talk about. There's so much here. This is the, I mean, along with the quarterback position in Superflex Leagues, the, the wide receiver position is where it's at, it seems. And uh, Paul, I guess my first question is that top tier of wide receivers, because I put in the show sheet that, you know, I thought it was kind of Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith, but I noticed that Jalen Waddell and a lot of mock drafts I'm looking at is going in the you know top 12. So, so maybe I should ask this, is it Chase, Smith, and Waddle as the clear top tier of wide receivers? And then there's a, a next tier of a lot of really exciting guys, or is it tighter than that? No, I think you're right. I think, I think those three are in their own tier. I think all three of them weren't going in the top 10, top 12 picks. I think all three of them will go in the top 10 to 12 picks. And honestly, if you fast forward a year, two years, three years, I think we will we'll look back and I don't think it's clear cut that Jamar Chase is going to be the best or Devonta Smith's going to be the best. I think Jalen Waddle's got a legitimate chance to be the best one of this group. And, you know, I was I, on the rookie fever podcast last week doing a Devonta Smith profile. And then we ended up also talking about Jalen Waddle. And I think Jalen Waddle is every year. People want to try to find somebody to say is the next Tyree kill. Jalen Waddell is the closest thing we've had coming out of college to Tyree Kill. His play speed, he plays at that time speed that he's going to test out, probably not test, coming off an injury. I don't think there's going to be much of a testing circuit here, yeah. you know, in, in this pre-draft process. But he, he was going to test, he was going to run in the four twos. That was that was a given. And but he plays that fast. Not everyone, there's plenty of guys who run fast, they're track guys, but they don't play at that speed. Jalen Waddell played at that speed. And then the other thing, like Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, even at his size and frame, he's willing to go up and get the ball. And he's not, he doesn't get pushed around at the catch point. Just like Tyree Kill is willing to go up and get it, Jalen Waddell can do the same thing. So you see sometimes these burner guys come into the league, but they're they're kind of one-trick ponies. They can only win vertically. They're a little soft. That you know, they can get pushed off their routes at the catch point. You know, unless they get a step on somebody, they don't make a lot of plays at the catch point. See, I think Jalen Waddell like Tyree kill can make plays at the catch point. I'm not, it's not going to be his bread and butter, but he can go up and get it. He, he shows good body control ability to adjust ball skills on top of that elite speed. He's a triple threat player. He can win in the short, win in the intermediate, win vertically. You can manufacture touches for him. He's a playmaker. You know, he might be the most explosive playmaker of that trio of wide receivers. He's just not as developed in terms of, route running and route concepts and the nuance of route running. That's why I think he's third for me, but we saw last year, Henry Ruggs go ahead of Jerry Judy and CD lamb. I'm not putting it past anything. I'm not saying, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Jamar chase and Jalen uh, Jamar chase and Devonta Smith get taken ahead of Jalen Waddle by NFL teams. I think there could be a team that takes Jalen Waddle ahead of either of those guys. I think all three of them are gone by pick 11. If any of them are there for the Giants, unless they do something in free agency where they invest 
in a big time free agent, like an Allen Robinson. If you leave Chicago, a Kenny Galladay, like a top tier Chris Godwin, unless they invest at that tier in free agency, I don't think the giant, I don't think any of those wide receivers get past the giants if they're there and they might not be there. You know, as a giants fan, I fear that all three of them are going to be gone before 11. That's how much I think of these guys and that they are wide receiver needy teams, Eagles, Miami, uh, Carolina could be in the market for another one. If they don't go quarterback and they lose Curtis Samuel, the lions, if they lose Kenny Galladay. So there's a lot of teams that are in the wide receiver market in the top 10 in a draft. So I'm not even sure anybody makes it there, but I think it's a very close group. I think Jalen Waddle is the most explosive, but, but not as developed as the other two. I think Devonta Smith, the year he had was more impressive than the year Jamar chase had last year. And the reason I say that, I hate to sound like I'm constantly knocking on Mac Jones, but last year, Jamar Chase was playing (laughs) with Joe Burrow, you know, a a elite level quarterback prospect who went number one overall this year, Devonta Smith did that with Mac Jones and they lost Jalen Waddle halfway through the year. Well, last year, Jamar Chase was doing that with Justin Jefferson there, Terrace Marshall, who's another really high-level wide receiver prospect this year. You know, so it was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the backfield. So the offense as a whole was better for LSU last year than it was for Alabama this year. Once Jalen Waddle went out, defenses knew Devonta Smith was the game plan, and even top-level defenses. I mean, we saw it in the national championship game. You know, you got to believe that Ohio State, all they talked about was slowing down Devonta Smith, and then in the first half, what was it, like 200 yards and three touchdowns before he got injured or whatever, they couldn't stop him, and that was every single week. I thought Devonta Smith made a major mistake last year not coming out. I was like, he's going to go somewhere between 20 and 40. What is he doing going back to school? Because I always think if you're going to be a first round pick, just go out. It's too risky to go back to college and get injured and have a serious injury that ruins your career and hurts you so much. But listen, it paid off for him. He's going to now go in the top 10, maybe, maybe number three overall. There's been whispers. He can go as high as two or three overall. I think that might be a little rich. I think he'll probably be taking quarterbacks there, whether it's trades up or whatever, but he's going to go in the top 10. I guess 11 might be his floor, but he's going to go in the top 11 picks. So he's going to go higher. That means more guaranteed money. He won the Heisman. He won the national championship and he developed his game even further in terms of everyone talks, wants to talk about his frame, his BMI. I don't care about it. It's irrelevant to me. He's an outlier. Don't compare him to Marquise Brown or another smaller guy. Compare him to a guy like Marvin Harrison. There's nothing that he can't do on the football field he can win at all three levels he he doesn't get pushed off his routes often his ability his separation quickness his footwork his nuance to route running he can win vertically i was most excited to see him because i think i feel like people don't think he's fast he's not elite fast he's not jalen waddle fast but he's four four eight to four five and that's fine his play speed is faster than that so he he can win at all three levels of the field and then jamar chase not much to talk about from this past year obviously opting out but i mean let's not lose sight of just how elite of a player he is he's a complete package can do it all can win at all three levels elite ball skills good route he's not a burner himself he's good he's fast but he's like devonta smith if there was a, a combine and a 40 yard dash and he chose to run it he was probably going to be in that four four six to four four nine four five range he wasn't going to be a burner either and that's fine these guys were going to test out somewhere in that mid four fours you know to to high four fours in terms of their 
their 40 yard dash time, but their play speed and all that they offer in terms of route running, getting off the line of scrimmage, beating press, separation quickness at the top of the stems, breaking their routes are is all top level. These three guys to me is the best trio of wide receivers coming out that we've seen in quite some time. Okay, so these three are gone by that pick at 11 with the with the Giants. Which receiver are you okay with them taking there then at 11? Honestly, probably no other wide receiver. And, and I'll answer the question of who I like the most. And the reason why I say that, it kind of goes back to uh, what Ryan said before, that to me, that's a clear tier. Now, in my tiering system, we kind of tier anybody who's worthy of round one in tier one. Yeah. So, But really, inside of it, to me, there are two separate tiers, and they're not really that close. So, like, yeah, if you're going to say anybody who's round one is one tier, I get it. But to me, Chase Smith Waddle is top of the first round tier. And then, to me... Rondell Moore, Terrace Marshall, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Tony. That's like 20 to 32 range. I don't think those guys, I think, I think taking them at 11, I don't want to be the guy to take the first one of them because I don't think there's a lot of separation between them. It's really pick your choice of what you want for the giants. They could use a guy who's a big bodied guy. I would be really intrigued with Terrace Marshall, out of LSU was there at the top of the second round. I think he is a guy who is flying under the radar because he played with Justin Jefferson because, you know, he played with Jamar chase, but to me, he can be a faster version of Allen Robinson, a faster version of Kenny Galladay. He's got more speed than those guys, more athleticism than those guys. And we've seen the success they have. So Terrace Marshall his body control, his ability to win at the catch point, contested catches, you know, high point in the football. He's that prototypical old school X outside wide receiver. So he'd be a guy that I think would fit with the Giants have. But on the flip side, the Giants don't have any team speed besides Saquon Barkley. They don't have speed at the wide receiver position. Slayton's good, but that's it. He's not, an, he's a good player. They need an explosive playmaker. If they want to go that route, then it might be looking at Rondell Moore. Kadarius Tony, because those guys offer that explosiveness to their game. Their triple threat players can win at all three levels of the field, manufacture touches. You know, Kadarius Tony, again, I'm not saying I've heard people mention Tyree Kill with him. I like it much more for Jalen Waddle, but Kadarius Tony in his own right is that explosive playmaker who finally put it all together this year. He's a guy who you're going to see use probably three or four times a game on manufactured touches, jet sweeps, touch passes, end the rounds. He's a vertical slot player, can can really make people miss in the open field. His cutting ability, his agility, his elusiveness is top notch. Rondell Moore was a little out of sight, out of mind. I think people forget just how special of a prospect he is. He might end up getting pushed below some of these guys now who did have great years this past year. But I think Rondell Moore still deserves to be in consideration in this tier uh, I'm not losing sight of what he did prior to this year and just how elite of a player he was. Uh, Bateman is one guy who, who I don't know if, while he's very fundamentally sound, you know, think of 75% of a Keenan Allen type player. He's got inside outside versatility. He's not going to be a burner. He's not going to test out as a great athlete if there was a combine, but he's really a solid route runner 
great ball skills. So he's a guy who I think because of the inside outside versatility is, is a rock solid guy who I'm not saying he's going to be Michael Thomas, but he's going to be a guy like Michael Thomas fell into the middle of round two. I think Rashad Bateman's going to end up falling to the somewhere on round two, maybe, maybe not even the top of round two. He might fall to the middle of round two and people might take some of these other sexy guys ahead of him, the Kadarius Tonys or the Elijah Moore or the Tutu Atwells. But I think Rashad Bateman is going to, is going to be a guy that people in a couple of years are like, why did, why did we not take this guy? The same reason why every team must be kicking themselves for not taking Michael Thomas because they looked at him and they didn't see that athleticism that maybe they ideally wanted. Rashad Bateman is very good. He's another guy that before the year started, he was much closer to Jamar Chase than where he is now, right? That in the, before the year started, it was basically Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, you know, Rashad Bateman was right there. Some people had him at number two after Jamar Chase. So like, I don't think there should be this precipitous fall to be so far away from those guys. But I think that, I think he's going to fall in the middle of round two. And I think it might be a mistake. And I think it'd be super interesting if he falls into that round two uh, or, or he falls to a team and like the the Rams end up taking him or a team that has, you know, uh, a deeper wide receiver depth chart and maybe not the, the greatest track – well, they have a good track record of, of drafting wide receivers, but I think he could be a very interesting faller based on landing spot that would be a good value uh, in rookie drafts. And I would be remiss, and since uh, you don't really have these for a certain amount of time, I have to get this in. I have to get this in. Uh, so Amir Smith-Marset, I was very happy for, for him to show up on your rankings because I honestly didn't know. I didn't know where he was going to go. I mean, I'm, I'm a Hawkeye fan, went to Iowa – uh, is he the next George Kittle of the wide receiver position? I just recently watched Amir Smith Marset and, and did a much deeper dive on him. And I came away really impressed in terms of his overall package. He's going to be a guy that his collegiate production and stats is never going to make you. They were horrible. Gonna make the you, Iowa passing game was terrible. Yeah. It's not going to yeah. leave you in awe. He's not going to, he's not going to like impress in, you know, market share and stuff like that. But he's a guy that teams are looking for offensive weapons. I put Smith Marset in that category is don't be surprised if he's in that conversation of, Oh, he went higher than I thought he was going to take than, than I thought he was going to go. And I think it's because the NFL is looking for offensive playmakers. They are looking for difference makers. They are looking for versatility and uniqueness in their offense. Smith Marset can bring that to an offense. He can do a lot of different things. Win inside, win outside, win in the short game, win vertically down the field. He can he can do things in terms of the manufactured touches. So he's a really intriguing prospect that I think probably goes in round four. But it wouldn't stun me on night two if he sneaks in the back door of, of round of round three. I just think it's a really deep class. I think in a normal year, I think you'd see him projected in the top. 100 picks a lot i just think because this class is so insanely deep that it might push him to the top of day three which would be in that round four mix but i think he's a playmate i don't know i don't know if his i don't know if his skill set will translate right away to fantasy because it might be one of those things that he brings a lot of real life value because he does a lot of little things but it might be tough to predict week in and week out how many touches he gets especially early in his career i mean they're they're different players but like 
the awe of Nicole Hardman has been there for years. And I've been Nicole's biggest fan, right? But his value that he brings to the Chiefs in terms of the return game and when he's on the field, he's got to be accounted for because he's got that elite game-breaking speed is better than what his fantasy value is. I could see a scenario where Smith Marset brings a lot of real life value, but inconsistent value early in his career as he kind of, you know, develops into what his role is going to be at the NFL level. And it might depend on how high he goes. If he goes somewhere in round three, maybe they have a more defined role right off the, the, the get. But if he goes on day three, it, it might be one of those things where they use him in, in bits and pieces, you know, to add a playmaker, but it's going to be tough to, to really expect consistent fantasy production early on. That is so much better than what I was hoping for. That is amazing. If he goes in the top four rounds of the NFL draft, he may become my most owned player across dynasty leagues. Uh, just for the, you know, the, the potential of that happening, just the, the sheer satisfaction of what he'd provide. Uh, Ryan? Will's going to have him. Will's going to have him everywhere. Just, just <laughs> not going to have him in your leagues. I had George Kittle everywhere. That worked out well. Yeah, it did work out well. That was part one of our conversation with Paul Pertichese about this 2021 rookie class. Part two will be next, and we'll talk about running backs, tight ends, circle back to wide receivers, and so much more. That's part two of our conversation with Paul Pertichese. In the meantime, we are the Fantasy Joes. You can find us on Twitter at FFJoes. Will is at FantasyJoe underscore Will, and I am at RotoLibrarian. On behalf of Will Greenwood, I am Ryan Livergood, and we are the Fantasy Joes.